Biden's historic, idiotic, gaslighting, bullshit speech last night, just begging for money, among other things, not getting distracted. We are going to cover stuff they are trying to keep you from paying attention to because that's what we do. We remind you. And you want a tip? Earn it. All that more coming up tonight. Happy Friday. It is uh, Friday morning, actually, here in America. And we are back. We are live. I hope. I know. But uh, we changed things up a bit in the studio. That didn't affect our broadcast. But I still have this thing going on on Rumble on the page. If you are watching us live, and I see quite a few people in the uh, in the chat there, would you please let us know? Because according to what I see, we are live. Just in case, I'm recording this show also, because if it doesn't get onto Rumble, it isn't going to get out there. I'm talking to myself. Anyway, stick it in the, either the live chat or make a comment. And let me know if you can uh, if you can see us, and uh, hopefully you can. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know what's happening, but we'll figure it out and we'll get through it. So we got lots going on tonight. Seriously, there is a ton of stuff in this show. Just check out the show notes; you'll find out there is a lot. By the way, this is not a Nike shirt. I wouldn't buy a piece of Nike apparel if it were the last footwear or shirt on earth this watch there this is my anti-nike shirt just do nothing i'm wearing this tonight in honor of our congress who can't apparently get off their ass and manage to elect a speaker the speaker that most of america wants which is jim jordan they don't care what you want your constituents they're supposed to be there to work for us do your job or lose your job. That's all I'm going to say about that for now. Because they got lots of other stuff going on. A lot of other stuff going on. And uh, right off the bat, we do want to welcome in, of course, our uh, one of our sponsors. And that would be Blackout Coffee. Blackout Coffee, the best awoke, not woke, awake coffee including the Dan Bongino blend. <laughs> yeah, Blackout Coffee is an American company. They believe in conservative values, family, hard work, respect, responsibility, all that good stuff that makes up America is what Blackout Coffee is all about. But none of that matters a hoot if you don't make a good product. Let me tell you, <laughs> this is a good product. Blackout Coffee is kick-ass coffee unbelievably good because mainly it's fresh roasted they have a small batch roasting process which means you order they roast your beans after you order usually within 24 to 48 hours ship it out another few days for shipping and off you go and you've got fresh roasted beans at your house ready to grind up into the most incredible coffee you've ever tasted. I am a coffee addict, folks. I drink so much coffee. 
day and night, morning, noon, and night, right now. Mm. And you need to check out this company because not only are you supporting a company that believes in our values, that supports our troops and first responders, but they also make the best coffee. They also have a line of hot cocos, incredible flavors, and some wonderful teas also. You check that out if, eh, in case you're not a coffee drinker. But if you are a coffee drinker, just buy one bag. That's all you got to do. Head over to the website, links in our show notes, and buy a single bag of beans. Get them roasted for you. Get them sent to you, and you will be back for more, I promise. And if you use the link in our show notes or you use this promo code, you'll get yourself 20% off at checkout on your first order. That is J20. J-A-Y-20 is our promo code. It's right there on the screen. And you use that promo code at checkout for 20% off your first order. That will save you some cash, too. Blackout Coffee, they sponsor the show, and we really appreciate them being here. Welcome uh, once again to Blackout Coffee. All right. What else is cooking today? A lot is cooking today. Um, by the way, if you just joined us, I see a few other people have popped in. Uh, please let me know either in the live chat or in the comments if you can see us. Because from what I can see, I am live. I'm recording the show just in case. But uh, there appears to be some sort of snag on Rumble's side. So we'll see what happens. Worst case, we'll just upload the show after I'm done recording it. So, last night, the real message from Potato Brain's Orville office address was to tell Americans like you and I that we are going to reinstitute the draft. We're going to fight. We're going to fund two wars. We're going to continue to send that idiot Zelensky in the Ukraine money. We'll keep funding that money laundering operation, trying to coerce Congress to send more money to Ukraine by using the sympathy that we all have, of course, for Israel. Gaslighting, next level gaslighting from this flea bag. It's like an arsonist talking about how American people need to pay to put out the fires that he started. It's exactly like that. Meanwhile, our home is burning right now. We have a wide open border, skyrocketing crime, drugs, illegals flooding into the country, and Joe just keeps stoking the flames. Whoever is pulling Joe's strings just keeps stoking the flames. Americans are currently being held hostage by Hamas. Six U.S. military bases attacked in the last 48 hours. And what does Biden give us during his historic Oval Office address? Basically a fundraising lecture for Zelensky and a lecture about Islamophobia. Do you notice no mention of China? No mention of our southern open border. If you missed it, this is what he's requested to Congress. $14 billion for Israel. $60 billion for Ukraine. 
the president with a whole bunch of well-documented shady ties to Ukraine just told you to set aside your pettiness and send Ukraine more of your money. $10 billion for general humanitarian aid. $7 billion for the Indo-Pacific. $100 million for Gaza. The people who just murdered 30 unarmed American citizens and now hold some 14 or more, I've heard as many as 20, Americans hostage just got a $100 million payout from your U.S. tax money, courtesy of the White House. If you think Hamas, oh, you know, it's earmarked for humanitarian bullshit. Money doesn't work that way. If you think Hamas won't benefit from this $100 million, you are very, very stupid. $14 billion to process illegals faster at the border. Just can't get those new voters in here fast enough, can you? With all this going on, you know where Oatmeal Brains is this weekend? He's headed to the beach. I'm not kidding. We have hostages. We have embassies being attacked. And this idiot is going to the beach. By the way, if you didn't know it already, people say, don't blame the Palestinians for what Hamas is doing. Well, folks, the Palestinians elected Hamas in a landslide victory. 76 seats in their parliament. So, yeah, they do represent the Palestinian people, literally. Been a lot of propaganda, people trying to create this distinction between Hamas and the rest of the Palestinian people. The truth is, there is no distinction, or very, very little. Not only did they elect Hamas in the landslide back in 2006, but since then, Abbas has refused to hold elections for the past 15 years because not only he, but the U.S. government knows Hamas is extremely popular and no doubt would have an even bigger victory. But we don't have to speculate. We already know there is no distinction between the Palestinians and Hamas. A poll in June, just a few months ago, by a very well-known pollster, showed Palestinians overwhelmingly support Hamas and other terror organizations. In fact, Palestinians overwhelmingly stated that the creation of new terrorist organizations in this poll in Samaria is the greatest thing to happen to their movement since 1948. 
Not enough? After Hamas slaughtered, massacred, perpetrated crimes against humanity when it raped, pillaged, tortured, murdered, desecrated babies, children, women, the elderly, men, animals. Mahmoud Abbas's Fatah section praised and continues to praise Hamas's atrocities to this moment. The Bethlehem branch posted a video which showed four images that I can't put on this show. Well, I can, but I won't put on this show. They're too disgusting. And this is what these people are supporting. And in fact, in this country, sadly, you're also supporting it. You proud about that? Sorry to burst your bubble, but the Palestinian people, by and large, not 100%, of course, but by and large, they have proven themselves to be a vile, Jew-hating, genocidal, Nazi-like people who have two goals, the destruction of Israel and the murder of as many Jews as they can. They say it themselves. You start with the Saturday people. You start with the Saturday because that's the Jewish Sabbath. And that goes on. The rest of that is, and then you move to the Sunday people. That would be Christians, whose holy day is Sunday, of course. Start with the Saturday people and then move to the Sunday people. As if it's not bad enough from this idiot's waste of time speech. They published a photo. Do I have that photo? I think I do. Let me see. Let me just check. Hold, give me half a second here, okay? I'm just trying to do things while I still check the rumble feed to see if it's working, and I'm not sure that it is. Yeah. The White House media team published this photo with no blackout boxes on the faces. Those have been added afterwards. They deleted it an hour later after millions had already viewed the photo. Are they trying to get our people killed? This is an acknowledged tier one unit, Delta Force. No one is that stupid. No one is that incompetent. Remember when Biden outed SEAL Team 6 for capturing bin Laden? He was VP at the time. Had no authority to out another acknowledged Tier 1 unit. But his administration 
publishes this photo of these Delta Force guys and gals, I assume. And you know what? Even with the faces blacked out, which they did not do, you see there? There are tattoos. Sadly, if you could identify the tattoos, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Let's, let's call it a mistake, okay? Those are not the kind of mistakes you're supposed to be making. These men and women, mostly men, I assume, probably, probably, I misspoke. These guys put their lives on the line. They do their job no matter what. No matter what the opposition, no matter, you do not want these guys on your ass. Because you will die. They are an elite fighting team trained like no other. And this freaking moron puts out a picture. Like I said, you can see in that picture there, the faces have been blacked out, but that was done after. I wouldn't have put the shot on our show, were they not. But all the members there, one, two, even a partial three, four from that shot. Faces right there on camera when they published it and then deleted it an hour later, well after millions of people had seen the picture. Brilliant. Just brilliant. <sighs> now they've warned us, by the way. Don't leave. Don't travel. Don't go anywhere. Worldwide caution. This from the ex-account of Travel State Department. Because of increasing tensions in various locations around the world, the potential for terrorist attacks demonstrations or violent actions against U.S. citizens and interests, the Department of State advises U.S. citizens, oh, I'm reading from the post, advises U.S. citizens overseas to exercise increased caution mm. for something you caused, you freaking morons. Gee, thanks for the warning. beyond seriously beyond here's another one for you Greta Thunberg you know that lying garbage psycho witch from hell she's jumping into this take a look at that shot stand with Gaza what did we just talk about you know what Greta Nobody buys your bullshit on climate change. Nobody cares. They know you're just a troubled little girl who is being sadly used by a bunch of abusive adults to try and move your bullshit climate change scam forward. We're not buying that, and we're not buying the Gaza crap either. So take a powder. Maybe just sit this one out. She doesn't stop. She absolutely doesn't stop. They want you dead, by the way. They want you dead. 
trans UC Davis professor, how this person is not in jail right now is beyond me. It's from the Post Millennial. Links in our show notes. Trans UC Davis professor threatens Zionist journalists and their children and says they should live in fear. Gemma De Cristo, far left, assistant professor of American studies at DC Davis, I'm sorry, UC Davis, threatened Zionist journalists and their children. That's the post. Jemias O'Kay. Praised the attacks on the U.S. embassies in the Middle East. Threatened with a cryptic message posted to X. She is the Assistant Professor of American Studies, UC Davis, just days after Palestine slaughtered more than 1,400 men, women, and children in Israel. Quote, one group of people we have easy access to in the U.S., it, this is her, or him, whatever it is, are all these Zionist journalists who spread propaganda and misinformation. They have houses with addresses, kids in school. They can fear their bosses, but they should fear us more. That's not subtle, folks. That is a direct threat. This, per there it is. There's the actual X post. With a knife, a hatchet, and three drops of blood. Little emoticons there. She identifies, as, or he identifies as a black anarchist. In addition to the violent threats against journalists and their kids, posted support for the violent attacks against the embassies in the Middle East, riots seen outside the U.S. embassies in Lebanon, Jordan, Iraq, Egypt. Why is this person not in jail. These are legit, serious as a heart attack threats that this person made. And it's just allowed to continue. <coughs> wow. All right. As you know, we just spent 25 minutes talking about mostly the Middle East. Because that's what a lot of people are talking about these days, and I got stuff to say about it. That's my opinion. My opinion, which I'm entitled to, you can disagree. I don't want you can disagree all you want. Make a comment, put a live chat in. That's what we're here for. That's how things move forward. We discuss, we talk, we argue. We agree to disagree. Maybe one changes the other's mind. It's called a conversation. You should try it sometime. But... Please, please remember 
while all this is going on, other stories continue to go on, and I put links in our show notes, specifically about two or three, that we should not forget, because they're not going away, and the people who are living through this hell on earth, other than the Middle East, are still going through it. This article is from the Intelligencer, NewYorkMag.com. Why are so many people still missing in Maui? It's just from September, month ago. Maui's fires human toll, 97 people confirmed dead. No one uh, has ever seen this that is alive today, Maui Police Chief John Pelletier said. Not this size, not this number, not this volume, and we're not done. Officials still expect the number of dead will rise even to this day. Here it is, what, October. FBI, local law enforcement, trying to whittle down the number of missing. 385 originally. It's been dropped down to 66 people that remain missing. I have to believe... Possibly it's that they've just remains were burned completely. DNA tests have actually brought down the death toll. Remained about 115 for a month. And then September 18th, DNA testing removed 18 people off that list. When the fire broke out, people ran together. They huddled together. And sadly, they died holding each other in their final moments. It's going to take a long time to vet the missing list. This article's in our show notes. You should check it out. And you should not forget that there are people who still don't know where their family members are living in Maui. Just like there are still people who are trying to live a normal life in East Palestine, Ohio. Another story gone from the headlines. You'd never hear about it, but it's still there. Brown says East Palestine is, by the way, it's spelled like Palestine, which everyone's talking about. It's pronounced Palestine in East Palestine, Ohio. Close to being back to normal but still unhappy with Norfolk Southern. Look at that shot. That is the day so many months ago that this whole incident started. Oh, man, is that scary. Been more than eight months now since that toxic train derailment. The community is still recovering. Ohio Senator Sherrod Brown visited, said they're close to being back to normal, but... Honestly, with the mess, the toxic chemicals, the crap that went in the water and the groundwater over there, will it ever actually be back to normal? I kind of doubt it. Says here, cleanup nearing completion on the contaminated soil, but the senator is still not happy with what he's seen from Norfolk Southern, the company that owned the rail and the derailed train. It is still happening. Do not forget these Americans. They are still, every day, living 
with this. And of course, all going on in the world, Biden at the beach this weekend. Hope you enjoy yourself, Joe. The border is still open. He wants to spend how many more? hundred million or a billion or few? To quicken the processing of people through the border? Which is, you know, just to get all the new voters on the rolls as quickly as possible. CBS News. I don't use a lot of CBS News crap because it's absolute bullshit network that does nothing but lie. But this ballot enough of a story double-checked unlawful crossings along the southern border have reached a yearly high as the u.s struggles to contain mass migration well you see right there the u.s is not struggling to contain mass migration they're freaking encouraging it they're doing squat nothing just do nothing not only Congress trying to get a new speaker, the whole Biden administration lives by this. Just do nothing. Processed more than 200,000 immigrants who crossed the southern border unlawfully in September. Almost a quarter million in September. The highest record in 2023. Border Patrol agents last month, 210,000 apprehensions between official ports of entry along the Mexican border. That's up from 181,000 in August. September stays, holds a record still with the highest. These are the stories they want you distracted from. Nobody's talking about them anymore. No networks are covering this. It's not appearing in any newspapers, way shoved in the back where nobody reads it. Don't, please don't be distracted by this crap. There's a lot of stuff going on. It's hard to balance it all, it's hard to juggle everything. But you've got to keep in mind there are people living through nightmares, hell on earth, that have nothing to do with the Middle East or China or Russia. It has to do with the reality of life in their very own backyard right here in this country. You think they care about what's going on in the Middle East when they can't drink the water? They can't even take a bath in their toxic, polluted water? In East Palestine? You think the folks in El Paso care as they get raided by hundreds of thousands of illegals? And if you want to protect yourself, they're finding every possible way they can to put you on a list. Firearms. Now I saw one ammo shop where he noticed suddenly something new on when he's putting in the computer the information on an ammo sale. Normally there was no background check for buying ammo. Firearms, yes, of course. But not ammo or accessories. There is now. 
And you got to stretch a little bit, but it's not really a stretch. Take a look at this. It's from uh, reclaimthenet.org. A New York bill is calling for a background check on anyone that wants to buy a 3D printer. You know why? Because you can print firearms with a 3D printer. So now they want a background check if you buy a 3D printer. Now, obviously this is going to face some wicked constitutional charges. But New York lawmakers are now proposing a new bill that would destroy the right to privacy, increase surveillance. The bill spearheaded by Jennifer Rajkumar, a senator from New York, says New Yorkers seeking to purchase a 3D printer would first be subject to a criminal background check before you make the purchase to buy a 3D printer. Little bits, little bites. We did the show yesterday about this. They keep pushing forward until you protest, then they back off and they wait. Then they push a little more until you protest, then they back off an inch at a time and soon you're five miles back from where you started. I don't want to repeat yesterday's show, but that's, here it is, here it is again. We, however, can take our own little bites, and we are. We don't lose all the time. Take a look at this from laced.com, L-A-I-S-T. I put the link in our show notes tonight. This is some good news, finally. In, and of all places, California. What? All right, take a look. Huntington Beach. There is a move to censor children's books which contain sexual content. You've seen the uh, videos of parents and uh, activists at school board meetings who are reading from books freely available in their school library, which are totally garbage pornography. And the board usually stops them from reading it because they're too embarrassing and it's too filthy and disgusting. The words on the page to be read in public, and yet it's being read from a book available in the school library. Well, not so much anymore. The Huntington Beach, wait, all right, it's not a paywall. Huntington Beach City Council passed a resolution Wednesday, just a couple days ago, saying no city library will allow children access to books with any sexual content. Yes, thank you. It also calls for establishing a committee that will look through the children's library books for whatever sexual content there might be, and they will decide whether or not to approve the books proposed for library acquisition. Measure passed by their conservative majority in Huntington Beach. Hey, if you're in California, move to Huntington Beach. Apparently, they got it going on down there. Four to three was the vote. Five hours of public comment. 
Most of it was in opposition. Oh, okay. Maybe you don't want to go to Huntington Beach because a bunch of freaking wackos living there. Anyway, some likened it, of course, to censorship by the government. Never mind the fact that we're trying to protect our kids. Don't care because they don't care about protecting our kids. Matter of fact, they're coming after them and they freely admit it. Breitbart.com. I bet you thought we were done hearing about that lying sack of crap, Jesse Smollett, right? Guess what? We're not. Hate crime hoaxer, disgraced actor, brilliant actor, by the way. Empire was an amazing show. I was hooked on that, watched it all the time. He's entered rehab. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this lying sack of crap. But he's entered a rehab treatment facility nearly five years after he was convicted for staging a racist, homophobic attack against himself and then lying about it to the Chicago police. You obviously remember this story. Well, he's gone into rehab. Good luck, Jess. Would that be rehab for being a lying piece of garbage? I hope so, because that's the rehab you actually need. Do you tip? I know, I'm just going all over the place now. I got a bunch of stories I want to jam in here before. It's a Friday, so why not? We just do it, you know, loose. Hey, by the way, I still, I still don't know that we are live. So you may be watching the only available way of watching this show, which is a pre-recorded one. I have no idea. You can put uh, put in the live chat or uh, stick something in the, uh, hang on, let me just get my phone booted up here again. Uh, let me know and uh, uh, make a comment on our uh, Rumble page if you like. You, by the way, you've got to be a member, but it's free. You just put in your email, you sign up, and then you can make comments. You can get in the live chat. You can follow the show. Um, so, yeah, please do that. But anyway, either way, one way or the other. Um, Clown World, I love this account over on X. It is called Clown World. And they it's at Clown World underscore. Liz, the owner of some sort of restaurant, made a post. It's just words on the page. I'll show it to you here, but, uh, you know, whatever. You can read along if you want. Listen to this crap. We expect a tip 20% minimum. That's the end of the story, period. The number is even printed right there on the check, so you don't have to do any math. When you walk in the door, you enter into a covenant. If you feel any kind of way about this other than 100% accepting, stay home. Invest in your own sound system. Get some nice glassware. Install dimmers on your kitchen lights. Put out some candles. Make your own cocktails. I won't say you should go elsewhere because 20% is the minimum expected tip in bars and restaurants all over this city. And your feelings about that fact are irrelevant. And if you're uncomfortable with a woman having the agency to explain this to you again, 
stay home. Go ahead and go buck wild in the comments if you feel the need. I don't know who this idiot Liz is, but apparently you just don't really want to be in business very long, do you? Insisting on a minimum 20% tip. I will tip according to the service I get. And by the way, I'm a big tipper. I am. I tip well. I always tip. Unless you've been a complete shithead, in which case you're not getting a dime out of me. But I, when you deserve a tip, you will get a good tip from me. No questions asked. But demanding a minimum of 20% tip? Lady, I could not possibly hope that your bar or restaurant goes out of business right now. Tomorrow at the latest, because that's exactly what you deserve. Unbelievable. Wow. All right. This last story, because we always end before we go into our, uh, our book, with something uplifting, because after all the heavy crap we talk about, we need something uplifting. Well, this is a story of a rescued dog, and you know me and dogs. <laughs> uh, as a matter of fact, you know what? I'm going to do this. I hadn't planned on doing this, but I'm going to anyway. Hold on. Just give me a quick second, because i got to race over to my Facebook account. Let me show you something. We gave Miko a bath. Miko, if you don't know, is our little four-year-old Shiba Inu. We gave her a bath today because we're going to be taking her out tomorrow to a big Shiba event. And I managed to grab this picture. Yeah, I know. I got like five chins. I don't care. But this, <laughs> that is me and little Miko when she's up on the table getting her uh, post bath dry off <laughs> I love this picture it's such a great shot very proud of that all right so on to the good news this woman man I'm telling you she's already got a golden ticket into heaven take a look and listen I think I it's just, just music. music but this dog doesn't even want to be touched when they found this dog abandoned two years ago. Wow. That's how they found him two years ago. They took him home, they cleaned him up, and that's how he's doing today. Look at that. That's what this little guy looks like today. That is amazing. Can you believe that transformation? That's what a little caring and a little love will do to one of the fellow creatures we share this planet with. There's hope. There's good people out there. We don't see a lot of them, sadly, in the news, but... They're there, which is why I make sure that we uh, 
we bring stories like that to you just to remind you that deep down we're decent people hey ground zero how 9000 where have you been good to see you back in the chat what real american support the last israeli terrorist united we stand all right. Good to have you back there, Hal 9000, Ground Zero. Cool to hear back from you. Glad you're still out there. All right. We got tons going on, and we're going to work our way through it. And uh, right now, though, we're going to get back on to our book. We have made a habit of reading books on this show, a little part of a chapter at a time. Chronologically, do we get from the beginning to the end? Mostly classic children's literature to encourage you to read and to read to your kids get them to read because reading one of the most important skills you can teach your kids i hope you're doing that so uh we've been doing a classic children's literature peter pan the wizard of oz the little prince jungle book white fang we've done so many great books and we did a little George Orwell, and now we're at Lord of the Flies. We've been, uh, we're about halfway through this book, and uh, we're going to move on and over. I think we're in the middle of, is it chapter seven or eight? Yeah, we're getting there. We're, we're a little more than halfway through. So uh, let's go back to it. This from William Golding, first published back in 1954. Jack was in charge of the hunt, and there'd be time to get to the mountain. Once, following his father from Chatham to Devonport, they'd lived in a cottage at the edge of the moors. In the succession of houses that Ralph had known, this one stood out with particular clarity, because after the house, he'd been sent away to school. Mommy still had been with them, and Daddy'd come home every day. Wild ponies came to the stone wall at the bottom of the garden, and it had snowed. And just behind the cottage was a, a sort of shed. You could lie up there watching the flakes swirl past. You could see the damp spot where each flake died. And you could mark the first flake that lay down without melting and watch the whole ground turn white. You could go indoors when you were cold and look out the window and past the bright copper kettle and the plate with the little balloon men. And when you went to bed, there was a bowl of cornflakes with sugar and cream. And the books, oh, they stood on the shelf by the bed, leaning together with always two or three laid flat on top because he'd not bothered to put them back properly. They were dog-eared, scratched, it was the bright, shiny one about Topsy and Mopsy that he never read because it was about two girls. There was one about the magician, which you read with a kind of tied-down terror, skipping page 27 with the awful picture of the spider. Then there was a book about people who dug things up, Egyptian things. There was the boys' book of trains, the boys' book of ships. Vividly, they came before him. He could have reached up and touched them, could feel the weight and the slow slide with which the mammoth book for boys would come out and slither down. 
Everything was all right. Everything was good-humored and friendly. The bushes crashed ahead of them. Boys flung themselves wildly from the pig track, scrambled in the cre creepers, screaming. Ralph saw Jack nudged aside and fall. There was a creature bounding along the pig track towards him, with tusks gleaming, a distantly intimidating grunt. <coughs> Ralph found he was able to measure the distance coldly and take aim. With the boar only five yards away, he flung the foolish wooden stick that he carried, saw it hit the great snout and hang there for a moment. <coughs> the boar's note changed to a squeal, and then it swerved aside into the covert. The pig run filled with shouting boys again. Jack came running back and poked about in the undergrowth. Through there! But he'll do us. Through there, I said. The boar was floundering away from them. They found another pig run parallel to the first, and Jack raced away. Ralph was full of fright, apprehension, and pride. I hit him! The spear stuck in! Now they came unexpectedly to an open space by the sea. Jack cast about on the bare rock and looked anxious. He's gone. I hit him, Ralph said again, and the spear stuck in a bit. He felt the need of witnesses. Didn't you see me? Maurice nodded. I saw you, right bang on the snout. Wee! Ralph talked on excitedly. I hit him again. I hit him all right. The spear stuck in. I wounded him. He sunned himself in their new respect, felt that hunting was good after all. I walloped him properly. That was the beast, I think, Jack came back. That wasn't the beast. That was a boar. But I hit him. Why didn't you grab him? I tried. Ralph's voice ran up. But a boar! Jack suddenly flushed. You said he'd do us. What did you want to throw for? Why didn't you wait? He held out his arm. Look. He turned his left forearm for them to see. On the outside was a rip. Not much, but bloody. He did that with his tusks. I couldn't get my spear down in time. All attention focused on Jack. That's a wound, said Simon. You ought to suck it, like Berengaria. Jack sucked. I hit him, Ralph said indignantly. I hit him with my spear. I wounded him. He tried for their attention. He was coming along the path. I, I threw like this. Robert snarled at him. Ralph entered into the play, and everybody laughed. Presently, they were all jabbing at Robert, who made mock rushes. Jack shouted, Make a ring! The circle moved in and round. Robert squealed in mock terror, then in real pain. Ow! Stop it! You're hurting! 
<coughs> the butt end of a spear fell on his back as he blundered among them. Hold him! They got his arms and legs. Ralph, carried away by a sudden thick excitement, grabbed Eric's spear and jabbed at Robert with it. Kill him! Kill him! All at once, Robert was screaming and struggling with the strength of frenzy. Jack had him by the hair and was brandishing his knife. Behind him was Roger, fighting to get close. The chant rose ritually as the last moment of a dance or a hunt. Kill the pig, cut his throat, kill the pig, bash him in. Ralph, too, was fighting to get near to get a handful of that brown, vulnerable flesh. The desire to squeeze and hurt was overmastering. Jack's arm came down, the heaving circle cheered, and made pig-dying noises. Then they lay quiet, panting, listening to Robert's frightened snivels. He wiped his face with a dirty arm, made an effort to retrieve his status. Oh, my bum. He rubbed his rump ruefully, and Jack rolled over. That was a good game. Just a game, said Ralph uneasily. I got jolly bad hurt at Rudger once. We ought to have a drum, said Maurice. Then we could do it properly. Ralph looked at him. How properly? I don't know. You want a fire, I think, and a drum, and you keep time to the drum. You want a pig, said Roger, like a real hunt. Or someone to pretend, said Jack. You could get someone to dress up as a pig, and then he could act, you know, pretend to knock me over and all that. You want a real pig said Robert, still caressing his rump, because you've got to kill him. Use a little him, said Jack, and everybody laughed. Ralph sat up. Well, we shan't find what we're looking for at this rate. And one by one they all stood up, twitching rags into place. Ralph looked at Jack. Now for the mountain. Shouldn't we go back to Piggy, said Maurice, before dark? The twins nodded like one boy. Uh, yes, that's right. Let, let's go up there in the morning. Ralph looked out and saw the sea. We've got to start the fire again. We haven't got Piggy's specks, so you can't. Well, then we'll find out if the mountain's clear. Maurice spoke, hesitating, not wanting to seem a funk. Supposing the beast is up there. Jack brandished his spear. We'll kill it. The sun seemed a little cooler. He slashed with the spear. What are we waiting for? I suppose, said Ralph, if, if we keep on by the sea this way, we'll come out below the burnt bit and then we can climb the mountain. Once more, Jack led them along the suck and heave of the blinding sea and once more Ralph dreamed, letting his skillful feet deal with the difficulties of the path. Yet here his feet seemed 
less skillful than before. For most of the way, they were forced right down to the bare rock by the water and had to edge along between that and the dark luxuriance of the forest. There were little cliffs to be scaled, some used as paths, lengthy traverses where one used hands as well as feet. Here and there, they'd clamber over wave-wet rock, leaping across clear pools the tide had left. They came to a gully, that split the narrow foreshore like a defense. It seemed to have no bottom. They peered, awe-stricken, into the gloomy crack where the water gurgled. Then the wave came back. The gully boiled before them and dashed spray up to the very creepers, so the boys were wet and shrieking. They tried the forest, but it was thick, woven like a bird's nest. And in the end, they had to jump, one by one, waiting till the water sank, and even so, some of them got a second drenching. <clears throat> After that, the rocks seemed to be growing impassable, so they sat for a time, letting their rags dry, watching the clipped outlines of the rollers that moved so slowly past the island. They found fruit and a haunt of bright little birds that hovered like insects. Then Ralph said they were going too slowly. He himself climbed a tree, parted the canopy and saw the square head of the mountain, seeming still a great way off. Then they tried to hurry along the rocks, and Robert cut his knee quite badly. They had to recognize that this path must be taken slowly if they were to be safe. So they proceeded after that, as if they were climbing a dangerous mountain, until the rocks became an uncompromising cliff overhung with impossible jungle and falling sheer into the sea. Ralph looked at the sun critically. Early evening, after tea time at any rate. I don't remember this cliff, said Jack, crestfallen. So this must be the bit of the coast I missed. Ralph nodded. Let me think. Oh, by now, Ralph had no self-consciousness in public thinking, but would treat the day's decisions as though he were playing chess. The only trouble was he was never a very good chess player. He thought of the little ones, Piggy. Vividly, he imagined Piggy by himself, huddled in a shelter that was silent except for the sounds of nightmare. We can't leave the little ones alone with Piggy, not all night. The other boys said nothing, stood around watching him. If we went back, it should take hours. Jack cleared his throat, spoke in a queer, tight voice. We mustn't let anything happen to Piggy, must we? Ralph tapped his teeth with dirt point of Eric's spear. If we grow across, he glanced round him. Someone's got to go across the island and tell Piggy we'll be back after dark. Bill spoke, unbelievingly. Through the forest by himself. Now, we can't spare more than one. Simon pushed his way to Ralph's elbow. I'll go if you like. I don't mind. Honestly. Well, before Ralph had time to reply, he smiled quickly, turned, and climbed into the forest. Ralph looked back at Jack, seeing him infuriatingly for the first time. Jack, that time you went the whole way to Castle Rock? 
Jack glowered. Yes? You came along part of this shore, below the mountain, beyond there. Yes. And then they found a pig run. It went for miles. So the pig run must be in there somewhere. Ralph nodded, pointed at the forest. Everybody agreed sagely. All right, then. We'll smash a way through till we find the pig run. He took a step and halted. Wait a minute, though. Where does the pig run go to? The mountain, said Jack. I told you, he sneered. Don't you want to go to the mountain? Ralph sighed, sensing the rising antagonism, understanding that this is how Jack felt as soon as he ceased to lead. I was thinking of the light we'll be stumbling about. We're going to look for the beast. There won't be enough light. I don't mind going, said Jack hotly. I'll go when we get there. Won't you? Would you rather go back to the shelters and tell Piggy? Now it was Ralph's turn to flush, but he spoke despairingly out of new understanding that Piggy'd given him. Why do you hate me? The boys stirred uneasily as though something indecent had been said. The silence lengthened. Ralph, still hot and hurt, turned away first. Come on. He led the way, set himself by right to hack at the tangles. Jack brought up the rear, displacing and brooding. The pig track was a dark tunnel, for the sun was sliding quickly towards the edge of the world, and in the forest shadows they were never far to seek. The track was broad, beaten. They ran along at a swift trot. Then the roof of leaves broke up and they halted, breathing quickly, looking at the few stars that pricked around the head of the mountain. There you are! The boys peered at each other doubtfully. Ralph made a decision. We'll go straight across to the platform and climb tomorrow. They murmured agreement, but Jack was standing by his shoulder. If you're frightened, of course, Jack turned on him. Who went first on the castle rock? I went too, and that was daylight. All right, who wants to climb the mountain now? Silence was the only answer. Sumneric, what about you? We ought to go and tell Piggy. Yes, tell Piggy that, but Simon went. We ought to tell Piggy in, in case Robert, Bill. They were going straight back to the platform now, not, of course, that they were afraid, but tired. So Ralph turned back to Jack. You see, I'm going up the mountain. The words came from Jack viciously, so they were a curse. He looked at Ralph, his thin body tensed, his spear held as if he was threatening him. I'm going up the mountain to look for the beast. Now. And then the supreme sting, the casual bitter word. Coming.
At that word, the other boys forgot their urge to be gone, turned back to sample this fresh rub between the two spirits in the dark. The word was too good, too bitter, too successfully daunting to be repeated. It took Ralph at low water when his nerve was relaxed for the return to the shelter and the still friendly waters of the lagoon. I don't mind. Astonished, he heard his voice come out cool and casual, so the bitterness of Jack's taunt fell powerless. If you don't mind, of course. Oh, not at all. Jack took a step. Well, then, side by side, watched by silent boys, the two started up the mountain, and Ralph stopped. We're silly. Why should only two go? If we find anything, two won't be enough. There came the sound of boys scuttling away. Astonishingly, a dark figure moved against the tide. Roger? Yes. Oh, that's three, then. So once more they set out to climb the slope of the mountain. The darkness seemed to flow round them like a tide. Jack, who'd said nothing, began to choke and cough with a gust of wind set all three spluttering. Ralph's eyes were blinded with tears. Ashes were on the edge of the burnt path. Their footsteps and the occasional breeze stirred up small devils of dust, and now they stopped again. Ralph had time while he coughed to remember just how silly they were. If there was no beast, and almost certainly there was no beast. In that case, well, well and good. But if there was something waiting on top of the mountain, what was the use of the three of them, handicapped by the darkness, carrying only sticks? We're being fools. Out of the darkness came the answer. Windy? Irritable Ralph shook himself. That was all Jack's fault. Of course I am, but we're still being fools. If you don't want to go on, said the voice sarcastically, I'll go up by myself. Ralph heard the mockery and hated Jack. The sting of ashes in his eye, tiredness, fear enraged him. Go on, then. We'll wait here. There was silence. All right. So long. The stain vanished. Another took his place. Ralph felt his knee against something hard and rocked a charred trunk that was edgy to the touch. He felt the sharp cinders that had been bark pushed against the back of his knee and knew that Roger had sat down. He felt with his hands, lowered himself beside Roger while the trunk rocked among the invisible ashes. Roger, uncommunicative by nature, said nothing, offered no opinion on the beast, nor told Ralph why he'd chosen to come on this mad expedition. He simply sat and rocked the trunk gently. This is a long chapter, and that's where we're going to knock it off for today. 
All right. We got through it. Wow, we did way over an hour today. Hope you stuck with us. Thank you so much. Hey, be sure and hit that follow button. Join us over on our locals, by the way. You sign up as a subscriber over there. You get some behind-the-scenes goofy videos we do every day or two or three. And uh, check it out. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the rest of your Friday. And I will see you right back here on Monday. Thanks for watching and listening, folks. We'll see you on Monday.